ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast. My name is Jesse Mayer. I will be your host. And here at the Salty Pastor Podcast, we're all about teaching you how to think for yourself. Your faith is yours, so you need to Mm -hmm. own it and learn to make your own decisions on how you're going to perceive the world and move forward in your faith. We can't do this without our very own captain, guide, (laughs) Pastor Dr. Douglas Peak. Hey, the salty guy is here with all of you today. Greetings. And today we are treading where angels fear to tread. (laughs) Off into the wild blue yonder of a man actually standing up and saying, this is what I think women should think about and deal with in their own lives. Because no men will do that today. We are salty here on the Salty (laughs) Pastor, that is for sure. So on Tuesday, we discussed how women today have more opportunity, more freedom, more mm-hmm. everything, really, Yes, including unhappiness. <laughs> <laughs> that is on the list of more everything. They are more unhappy, even though they have all this opportunity yeah. um, and freedom. So let's get practical and see why this is true. Why are they so unhappy and why are they struggling so much in today's current society? Well, I think it goes back to something that we've discussed many, many times over, and that is is that it comes down to what is your definition of a human being? And the definition of a human being is really important when it comes to human fulfillment and happiness and joy. And our world is dominated by a secular ideology, an atheistic ideology, And it's basically a scientific materialism uh, that says, well, there is no you beyond just this basic material world. Uh, There's no spirit. There's no soul. There's no nothing. And so if you buy into that, you're going to be really susceptible to a lot of things that make you unhappy. But at its core, there's another position that says females are created in the image of God. And because they are females, they represent the image of God differently than the masculine. So it's feminine. And because it's feminine, it reflects different qualities and characteristics of the image of God. And this is what makes women or females so special, unique, and wonderful. And the biological differences are self-evident. And research has shown that in general... Uh, these biological differences always present. Now, there's a spectrum, but, you know, if you were to draw these big curves, you know, you'd show that men and women are really different. Now, in a lot of ways, we're the same, right? We right. have a heart and a brain and, uh, you know, the same, some similar physiology, you know, but women and men are biologically different in the way they think and what they value. Research shows that men in general are more interested in things. Now, not all guys, but the majority. If you were to take 500 men and throw them in a room at random, you know, the vast majority of them would be talking about things, you know. Um, If you put a whole bunch of women in a room, the vast majority of them would be talking about people. Right. Right. So women tend to be more interested in things. Now, if you're a woman and you're not interested in people, but you're interested in things, maybe you're like a hardcore math engineer That doesn't make you weird. It doesn't make you a guy. It doesn't make you strange. It just makes you more special, right? Right. You're still a female, and uh, and you're wonderful for it. So I think the first thing we have to understand is that in scientific materialism, femaleness is not valued. But in God's 
definition of what it means to be a human being, femaleness is highly valued. All those unique special qualities that females have are what bring uh, balance and peace and harmony to the world in which we live. And I, I think we need more of that. So when you break it down biologically, you know, our differences, men would rather work on things. Men, men would rather do thingy things, uh, mechanical things. Not always, but in general, they create, they build. Women tend to be more nurturing. We know this, is that they tend to be more community-oriented. They're more agreeable than men. So obviously the spectrum plays out, but the bottom line is, is that when you are a female and you find yourself outside of how you're wired, if you find yourself trying to, you know, build an identity around something differently than how you are biologically and spiritually wired, what happens is you're going to find yourself struggling with fulfillment more than ever. And then sin enters into the world. So women are created this way, right? And then sin enters into the world. And so therefore there are certain things, certain temptations that women are more susceptible to than men and vice versa, you know, vice versa. And so we got to talk. I think we're going to dig into that a little bit. Well, and I think it's important, like you said, it's like there are a lot of similarities, but at the same time, we are different. There's different cultural, societal, and just psychological pressures on men and women to have different things, which then further plays into how Satan uses those things that we struggle with or we Mm -hmm. think are important or that society thinks important to tempt us into sin, right? What are some of those things? Well, you know, like women, I think, struggle more with insecurity than men do. I think women are more prone to comparison with others and comparing themselves to others than men are. You know, I mean, this, you know, we walk into... Uh, a, a room, you know, and my wife will look over and say, oh, look at that outfit. That's so nice. And what do you think of that? Oh, that, that girl, that lady is dressed so well. And oh, I love that outfit. Oh, I love this. I love that. You know, and she goes, or did you see that guy wearing that outfit? And I'm like, what outfit? <laughs> I, I, I don't notice outfits. I, I don't know. Now, you know, I am a troglodyte. Yes. So, so I'm, I'm a, not wired that way at all, but but I, that's not a bad thing at all. It's just how we're wired differently, you know. Uh, and so I think that what that does is women are more prone to things. And, and so, therefore, there's ideologies in our society. We need to understand these ideologies, as you said, that bring pressure to women in unique ways. Right. You know, and the first one, I think, is this. It's, it sounds strange, but let me draw this connection for you. And it's called postmodern philosophy. And postmodernism has a tool that it uses in order to achieve its goal, and that is deconstructionism. And that is it deconstructs things. You know, you look at something, and then you nitpick it apart until you find a flaw. And once you find a flaw, then you can basically say, oh, well, then it's worthless. I'm just going to throw it out. Now, what deconstructionism does is it trains your brain to think in a certain way, and so it creates a mental framework that basically is saying all they have to do is find one flaw on something. If it's not 100% perfect, then the whole thing is of no value to me. And this way of thinking ideologically really hurts women because it, when it affects the way they're thinking, 
what it does is it sets up an unattainable standard for a woman. You know, the standard for women is like, well, there must be a perfect woman, right? And what's really strange is that in our culture, it's women who push these things. Like, it's women who are the editors and the publishers of Vogue and Cosmo and Miss and all of these things, you know, that that push, right, the perfect image of a woman, you know, kind of a thing. And uh, it's all of these other, you know, magazines and media that are all run by women that push the notion of how to be the perfect mom and the perfect CEO and the perfect this and the perfect that and the perfect everything. And so, uh, first of all, it sets up this unattainable standard that there is such thing as perfection. Well, I think that's really dangerous when you're a deconstructionist because what you're going to do is realize you could never be that. Right. So you you become self-incriminating over and over and over again. It, it what it does is uh, uh, bring out in women that insecurity that I don't measure up, right? Mm. And yeah, so they yeah, compare yeah. themselves to all of these unobtainable standards. And here's another side fact that I think is really interesting, and that is is that most people don't know this, and, and a lot of women don't know this, but did you know that women uh, control 80% of spending on economic goods? Interesting. So most of the marketing, most of the marketing in America is to women to get them to buy things because they're the ones who actually make the decisions over 80% of consumer goods or consumer spending. And so what happens is these messages come to win. So, so what happens is let's say you're more prone in your biology and your femaleness to compare yourself with others. You're a little bit more prone to insecurity. So this is a perfect storm to create a lose-lose situation for women. You know, Um, I, I know women, I don't think I have ever, met a woman who has something that she doesn't like about herself and then she tends to think about it all the time Mm. you know that she almost obsesses on that one thing she doesn't like about herself and even though most of the messages are out there women be comfortable in your own skin be comfortable in your own skin which is a great message uh why is it that so few women are actually comfortable in their own skin and it's not because of the way God wired you, but it's because of what media does through postmodern deconstructionist ideology and how Satan uses that against you. It creates a no-win situation. So, And you see that in, in our cultural stuff all the time, don't you? I mean, on all the cultural messages out there. Yeah, I mean, that's basically all the marketing is, is, hey— do you know this thing that you don't like? You have zits. We <laughs> yeah. have a thing for you. You don't like the way your body's shaped. We yeah. have a thing for you. You don't like your hair color. You don't like your hair color. Yeah. You don't like this. You don't like this. You don't like yeah. this. You don't like this. And it's, there's always, it's the, the joke a few years ago is there's an app for that. Well, yeah. marketing's been doing that for years yeah. as yeah. far as we have something for that issue that you think and, you And you have. take, you take a de- deconstructionist way of thinking, Right. And so you always think that there's a problem and you always have an unattainable standard and it goes on. And then you add to it the second ideology that's really prevalent in our secular society today, and it's neo-Marxism. Mm. And what neo-Marxism has shown is, is that women tend, since women tend to be more community-oriented and they're more agreeable, 
um, than men. And so the current ideology of feminism is a completely neo-Marxist in nature. It bases all of its claims and all of its goals on a foundation or a presupposition of neo-Marxism neo-Marxism and how Marx interpreted societal structure. So just like Marx modern day feminists believe that the nuclear family must be eradicated in order for the collective sisterhood of women to achieve power because they think that all relationships are based on power structures and hierarchies. And so what this does is what what modern day feminism does is tries to make you a part of a collective a, a tribe of women. And then what it does is the downside to that is it, it denies your individual individuality as a female. It, it denies your sovereignty as a thinking adult. It denies your freedom as a woman to choose, to have your own dreams, your own personal desires, your own faith, your own goals in life. All of those things need to become subjective to the collective goal. Right. See, in Marxism, the whole point was is that the way society becomes this utopia is you suppress the individual and you make everybody a part of the collective. So everybody becomes owned by the state, so to speak, the collective. Right. So everybody was comrade and you're a part of the collective and there's no individuality. And at first, you know, what they did is they made all men and women dress the same and you know, drive the same car. So there was no individuality out there. And so... What happens is if, if you have to subject yourself, right, to the goals of, in, uh, of the collective, and so it, it's very neo-Marxist, and so it, it, it denigrates things that maybe you would choose. Like, for instance, there's a number of uh, feminists that, you know, really denigrate uh, childbearing, they really denigrate uh, other things uh, that have to do with nurturing. And what it ends up coming across as, which I find really strange, is it's like, well, women should be more like men. You know, they should act like men because everything is about power. And the scorecard in power is basically money. And so I don't, I don't see the wisdom in that at all for women who want to be happy and fulfill their God-given identity, you know? And so I think that puts pressure on them. So, and that leads me to, you know, obviously uh, modern day feminists are all, what people don't realize is they're scientific materialists. So they only see reality in terms of power, power structures, and money is a scorecard, like I just said. So, uh, for the life of me, you know, the message out there today is that women are going to be more fulfilled uh, in being a junior law clerk. I heard a guy say this, you know, why are we telling women you're going to be, you know, more fulfilled as a junior law clerk, you know, writing briefs than you would by by uh, having a loving relationship with a man and uh bringing life into this world, you know? I've never heard a woman get to the end of her life and say, man, I wish I would have written one more judicial brief, you know, or more, <laughs> one more report, my life would be fulfilled. You know, as women get older, more and more, they talk about the people they've loved, their friendships, their family, their children and their grandchildren. These things become more fulfilling to them. 
And so I think the ideology of modern day feminism really robs women of the propensity for happiness. So these are the ideologies that create a perfect storm for women and why women, even though they have more opportunity, they have more financial resources, they have more education, they have more all of that kind of stuff, they're more unhappy than ever before. Well, I mean, I spent uh, seven years on tour with a lot of, um, let's say, high-energy women. Um, and then I've coached show choirs and things like this. And yeah. so what I've learned the most in having to, um, one, be the manager on the road of like, okay, I have to deal with these guys um, as far as just getting them from point A to point B. But mm -hmm. two, kind of being like an emotional support system is they struggle with some of the stuff that I never had to talk with the guys about, which is yeah. like, you know, I can't do this headshot like I did photography for them. And it's like the secret behind photography is it's 90 percent like a counseling session about why you're beautiful and 10 percent actually <laughs> taking a picture because most people don't like their photo being taken. Because, again, we go down back to that ideology about, you know, yeah. Uh, there's something I don't like, you know, shoot me only from this side or I don't like my smile. So I'm not going to use my teeth or whatever. It's like, there's all these things and half of the battle. I mean, three quarters of the battle is literally just talking them off the ledge of like, <laughs> let me take your photo, please. Especially with this is just for a program in this random city out in the middle of Nevada. And you know, what's so interesting about that is photos though, tend to be more important to women than to men. You know, like in my family, you know, the, the gals are always like, Oh, we need more photos. We want more photos. We want more photos. But then you take their photo and they're not happy. With and then they're like, like, no, do it a different yeah. way. Take it higher. Do it this way. This way. What else did you find in your experience? Well, and then it's like, I mean, I'm in dance and performance, obviously. So there's a whole nother level of, you know, you're wearing specific costumes and you got to make sure that they look good in the costumes. And that's not necessarily, you know, partly artistically. Yes, you want everyone to look good in the costume, yeah, but yeah. half of it's okay, well, I don't like my body the way that looks in this costume and things like that. And it's like, that's okay. I had some costumes that I was like, you know, the shirt goes down to your navel. <laughs> I didn't feel super comfortable either. There's some weird things that happen on the road. But it's like a lot of it's like they just could not accept how beautiful they were. And that's because society had told them for so long, well, you don't You're achieve perfect. this perfect level. And so half of it was that. And then we had some obviously some strong it was always weird too, you know, as a single guy, I go out to go date someone and it's always like, well, I was taught by my mom to be chivalrous. Mm -hmm. So I go to open a door and I've dated some girls that took a front to me opening a door for them because they felt like it was intruding on their ability to be a strong, independent woman. And that was like a real hard lesson while I was seeing her because I'm like, this is how I show that I respect and care for yeah. you is like, I want to treat you with respect and honor. And this is the way I was taught to do it. And then it turned me into like, I don't know how to interact with you properly because I feel like anytime I do something nice for you, it turns into, well, why are you being a chauvinist man yeah. <laughs> towards yeah. me? And I'm like, yeah. I thought I was doing good. <laughs> so, I'm being respectful, which I don't want to turn this into like, you know, why guys are suffering under feminism, but it's just, I think that this ideologies have warped our interactions with other people and where yeah. I had to deal with such high emotions mm -hmm. Art, artistic and creative people are highly emotional. I can say that that's an, a, <laughs> a proven fact. You can, and you so can you see that. some of the, the, you see some of the, the 
peak versions of what you're talking about in these yeah. people that decide to go get up on stage and dance in front of people, you yeah. know, in, in, uh, in a huge fluffy gown, like mm -hmm. that, it takes a special kind of person to want to do that and desire yeah. that. And so you see a lot of these things of what they, uh, feel like society and the cultural pressures and psychology of what marketers are doing to people these days at the tipping point of, you know, peak influences in, in some of these girls that I was working with. And some of them, again, they were girls. Like there's, I think in maturity comes some of this, throwing this out the window and realizing, yeah, yeah. Hey, I've put all of my expectation into trying to be happy because the world told me if I was beautiful, if I could do this, if I had the right eyeliner, if I wore the right clothes, I would be happy. And I think as people get, further on like I look at Kim and it's like Kim carries herself well she dresses nice but she doesn't find her happiness mm -hmm. in what she's wearing or mm -hmm. how she looks I mean she finds it in what she's doing with her life with her family I mean every time I talk to her all she does is talk about Jake and how great Jake is and yeah, like that's, our that's son, her pride yeah, yeah, yeah. Your, your son Jake and it's like that's where she derives her happiness is through her family and she's a very successful woman like yeah. she's made yeah great strides in the business world and Work as world, a family. Yeah. And I know that she doesn't come up to talk to me about HP. That's not the thing that she's excited <laughs> to talk to me about. about most, yeah. She talks about her kids. And I think there's yeah. a, a lot of wisdom in that. And the same thing with men. Some of the most, the men that I respect the most are the ones that are talking about how proud and how much they love their family. It's not the guys that are coming up to boast to me about, well, I just landed this big contract and yeah. da, 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 so. I feather my cap. Well, I think that's, you know, what's really interesting is that, uh, you know, I read an article by, from Molly Hemingway. She's a very accomplished publisher and editor and writer and author and uh, she speaks a lot on political issues, but she wrote an article, if feminists like women, why are they constantly trying to change us? <laughs> and, and her point was, is that, you know, I, she says, you know, I can, I like being a woman. She goes, I've never felt remotely bad about being female. And uh, she says, I chalk it up. You know, she says she's very happy she's a female. She's very happy being a woman. She doesn't want to be anything else. She goes, I chalk it up to an adolescence miraculously devoid of the unrelenting glare of women's magazines, a fantastic relationship with my supportive parents, or being bored in the good old United States of America. <laughs> I've always known that being a girl is pretty awesome. And, and I think the thing is, is that, that's the key for women to be happiness, key for, uh, for uh, women, you know, as moms to be happy is to somehow figure out how to turn off the noise of the world and all of its expectations that are being heaped on you and turn to Christ and embrace the expectation of an authentic life from him. Well, let's talk a little bit more along those lines of like, what can people, what can women specifically do to avoid some of these things that they're most susceptible to? We just got out of a men's series all about yeah. what men are fighting. I mean, yeah. I think it's only fair. Let's talk about what are women fighting and how can they be successful in fighting it? What's their fight club battle? Well, I think one of the things is when, ladies, when you think about who you are and how you define yourself as a person, do you believe what Jesus says about you? Not do you know what he says, but do you believe it? Those are two different things. Yeah, it's an important note. You know, if you, Jesus said, if you believe in me, 
And so I think it's really important to not only know what Jesus says about you, but do you believe it? And I think that's really a critical point. And that is, if you don't know what he says about you, then you should discover that. And then second of all, ask yourself, do I believe it? And if I don't believe it, then why? Right. Why don't I believe it? Uh, secondly, um, is what could I do to embrace this belief, a conviction of what he says about me? Because I think that is what real spiritual growth is, whether you're a man or a woman, but for particularly for women. I want to embrace what Jesus says about me and let it become a conviction. I think the third thing that you could do is, is if you are unhappy with your present life, ask yourself if you're listening to what the world says will make you happy, or are you listening to how God says you were actually wired? Now, notice I didn't say, uh, uh, I didn't make a juxtaposition between what the world says will make you happy or what, what God says will make you happy. Because the journey with Jesus, the journey with God, is not God saying, oh, these five things are going to make you happy. Go do that and pursue it. You'll be fine. What, what, the journey with God and faith is discover how you're wired as a unique female. You know, every female is special. Every female is wonderful and has this unique uh, mixture of the image of God with them, different gifts, different passions, different skills. And these things come into a wonderful and beautiful bouquet of what God wants your life to be. And so you can listen to the world, which is very specific. You know, well, you have to do this and you have to do that. And you have to start a business on the side. As long as you're our version of the female. It's like Barbie. They want you to be, they want to mold you and they want you poured into a specific mold. And if you don't fit within that, then you're against yeah. the cause or and, you're. Yeah. And like in Molly Hemingway in this article where she talks about, you know, feminists, she says, we're supposed to ban words. So a girl can be a CEO. We're supposed to outsource all childcare, usually to a lower income mother. Uh, and never mind, she says that women actually express a desire to have some sort of work-life balance. And a lot of women don't want to be CEOs, you know, and Man, when you're a CEO, you're just like, I was talking, just on the side, I was talking to this guy who's CEO, has hundreds and hundreds of uh, employees, multi-billion dollar corporation. And I was just asking him, a very accomplished man. And he goes, basically, I'm a babysitter for adults. <laughs> I walk around and babysit all these people's problems and try to make these people get along. <laughs> Right. You know, so when people find out being a CEO is like that, it's like, hmm. A lot of people say, I want to be a CEO because I no, I, I don't have any boss. Man, when you're the CEO, every employee is your, your boss, boss. <laughs> kind of thing. So, but anyway, back to this is that, um, you know, we're supposed to push women into to fields that of study, you know, that maybe they can do and be good at, but is that really how they're wired? And I think that's the thing is ask yourself, God, how did you wire me? And what is it that you want to do through me in order for me to embrace true and authentic happiness? Because I'm listening to who you created me to be, not the world. Well, it's similar to like one of the girls that I knew from tour. She's literally just graduated in rocket science. Like yeah. that is her field. Yeah. But then I think of like uh, Dana, our adult ministries director. 
I don't think Dana has any interest in doing all the math it takes to be a rocket scientist. Like it's like it's okay to for some women to go, I want to be a rocket scientist, and some be like, I don't want to. But the the world's telling them, well, no, you need to be in those fields that are predominantly male dominated, and it's like. What if I don't want to be in those fields? Yeah. And, and God says, that's okay. I didn't wire you to want to be a rocket scientist. And that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. You know, and that, that comes to this. Uh, one of the things that most women long for is children. I think it's like uh, 10% of women will not actually give birth. Now, a chunk of those women who can't give birth can't because of biological reasons. They're infertile or their right. husband is infertile or her there and they're there are unable to have children all of those women who are unable to have children who are part of that 10 percent that don't are uh saddened by that they feel like something is missing in their life then there's a whole bunch of women that put it off you know to pursue the stuff the world says are going to make you happy so they pursue it pursue it pursue it and then what happens is they uh, are unable to have kids because they've waited so long. You know, they're 45, 50 or whatever. And the risk is too great. Uh, yeah, and they're just not able to conceive and at that time or risk is too great. Or or they just never get around to it. And it's really interesting. A large percentage of women, when they get older, you know, and they get out of retirement and stuff, and they just chose at the time not to have kids, say they regret that. Mm. And the ones who don't, now this is what's really fascinating in the research. The ones who don't regret it, are ones who say, uh, all report a common experience, and that is they all grew up in very toxic and abusive families. Mm. And so there, so there, there was a trauma there, a really severe trauma. And so, so I think, you know, when you are a woman and you're part of that group that has children, I think it's really important as a mom to realize your goal is to grow the best human adult that you can. It's not taking care of kids. I'm not here to take care of kids. I'm here to grow a healthy, functioning adult, right? Right. It's going to contribute to society in a positive way, not a negative way. And the best way to do that, moms, is to remember, always be the adult first. I just want to encourage you, be the adult first, be a parent first. Don't try to parent your child as a friend because when they become adults, they won't respect you. Right. But if you're a, if you're a parent first, then they grow up and they become adults, then you'll be best friends because they have a tremendous amount of respect for you. You know, it's so funny because when my children were younger, you know, they would say things like, you're ruining my life, you're destroying this, you don't <laughs> understand, blah, 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 blah. And then our kids grow up and they're adults now and our two oldest are married. And they and, keep coming home to stay with you. They, they won't yeah, stay away. <laughs> they, they love coming home. We love having them. But now they're just like, oh, I'm so glad that you made us do that. Or I'm so glad that you were that way then. When, when I was in junior high, it drove me crazy. But now I'm so happy. Right. You know, and so... Moms, be the adult first because your goal isn't to take care of kids. It's to grow really awesome adults. And God wants to move through you to do that. And then the last thing I'd like to encourage moms to, and all women is that realize that the way Satan attacks you the most is by comparing you, getting you to compare yourself to others, you know. So I would encourage you spend time with the Lord each day in order that you set your eyes upon him. He's the author and perfecter of your faith. And then you can judge yourself according to his standards, his values, his principles, 
not the world's. So that's why it's so important for women to start their day with God. Not to necessarily learn more stuff, right? Right. But to embrace who Jesus says they are. For he is the one that not only will heal their soul, but fulfill their soul because he knows how they're wired. And it gives them freedom. Freedom. Because, I mean, the world wants them to be poured into this mold. And he says, I wired you to be a specific person, to have certain gifts, to have certain tastes and likes and things like this. And I love you for that purpose. And I want you to pursue that. That's what's going to make you happy. Not, we need you to further the cause and we need you to fall in line with what we want you to be, which is what the world's telling them and what feminism's telling them. Or you need to be just like so-and-so, or you need to look like this. He says, I made you to look a certain way. I gave you certain gifts. I want you to be the person I made you to be, not somebody else. And what's really interesting about this, I'll leave everyone with this final thought, and that is, is that Karl Marx basically taught and believed that in order to create a utopia, you had to completely disassemble, deconstruct society, all right? So you had to basically tear it all up. You had to nuke it. You had to make it so bad that people would want to change, Okay, and so when you look at what the Bolsheviks did and you look at what Lenin did when he got the uh, revolution to overthrow the czars, it was a 20 year period where they destabilized the society. Mm. Now, the czars and the aristocracy was corrupt and they helped the process because they were so removed. They had no idea. But but it required that Mao Zedong, when he had the Cultural Revolution, he destabilized the society first. And so these people who just want power in American society, their goal is to destabilize society. And when you really get into what they're reading, and this is why they want to destroy the nuclear family, is because they want to destabilize society so they can completely destroy it and rebuild it in this Marxist utopia that they believe exists, which it doesn't. Uh, that's the great lie. But but what, what I find really fascinating is that the best way to do it is take half of the population, right, females, and convince them that they are the most miserable and oppressed by setting up a standard that you convince them to believe that they could never obtain to. So the best way to be a woman who's unleashed, filled with power, courage, and confidence is to listen to God not the world. Well, I think that's a great place to wrap up for the day. Thank you so much, Pastor Doug. Um, Ladies and everybody, I want to invite you to join us on Sunday. We're celebrating moms, honoring them. Um, If you can join us on campus, even better. If you can't, um, please join us on our online campus on uh, YouTube or Facebook or foothills.org. We want to have you guys here so you can hear some inspiring words that uh, I'm assuming we're going to still be talking about uh, that first Peter chapter we read on Tuesday. Yes. Yes. Um, so we'll, we'll wrap some of that up. We'll have some more of these insights and we're just going to be honoring and celebrating all of the wonderful women in our lives. So thank you guys yes. so much for joining us and we'll see you on Sunday. All right. Honor our mothers. They're the bomb. <laughs>